that picture for us that we've just seen is a is such a strong picture in in the Bible. It's a theme that runs from beginning to end. That God takes us with all those words, whatever your words would be, and cleans and makes room for transformation, for change. If we were to write all the words that about ourselves that are unpleasant, all the words that may be embarrassing, all the words that are, are shameful to us, that deep down they, they crop up from time to time. The good news of the scripture, the good news of God is that we are not designed to stay that way. We're not put on this earth to keep those things etched into our lives, but rather we have a relationship if we have a relationship with God. We have the opportunity to have a relationship with God that he would come and create a space and he says, let me in. Let me into your space so that I can make a change. We've been on this journey about change, what it takes to really change for some time now. And today we arrive at what I would consider to be the apex of this journey. Now, there's a couple of stops after this because once transformation takes place, we have to, we have to maintain it and do other things. But this is the destination of a, a follower of Christ. I think if you followed Christ any amount of time, we would all agree to the very basic fundamental reality that none of us are here just to gain another piece of information. We're not here just to find out one more fact about the Bible, but rather, if we are leaning in towards God as true followers of Christ, it's all about change. It's all about God saying to God, I'm open for you to create a space in my life to wipe out those things that other people and myself have etched in and believed that that's who I, I, I am. And God, God, I really want that to change. I can't think of one story, one single story in the Bible in which God is not about transformation, whether it's Moses or David or Jonah or Nineveh or Jerusalem or whatever that community or person is. The end goal is for us is that God would not leave us as we are, but he changes us. So many times when we come together, it is a time to um, review some fundamentals. And there are times when I'm thinking about transformation that it cannot happen without one very simple, basic thing. It's going to seem so obvious. You would think, well, well, sure. But those are the things in life that trip us up because they are so obvious. And because they are so obvious, we often set them aside. And when we set them aside, we don't have the opportunity really to embrace them, to engage them, to execute them. So this morning, as we stop at this very important station on this train track, we're going to speak about transformation. But the, the one very fundamental core thing that we can't forget. Have you ever been in a scenario where it's that very one thing that, that, you, you, that blew the whole deal? So this morning, my wife, Carrie, was here singing in the band, the worship band. That makes me Mr. Mom. Um, and early this morning, getting the kids ready, getting out of the house by 815. That's a miracle. I just, you know, my main thing was to check to make sure well, we all had britches on before we walked out of the house. We did, thankfully for you. And uh, 
my youngest, who has my forgetful gene, uh, I gave him one task. You got your Bible. Got it. And I said, man, I just was pumping him up. We were running around the house. Uh, I had uh, lost my Bible literally three times this morning. Uh, one time it was on the toaster oven. The other time was in the bathroom. And, you know, and my other oldest son is the finder. He can find everything. So anyway, his only one job, my youngest, was to, to keep your Bible. And we were, I was just, you know, we're all team synchronized. We were shouting. We were rolling through the house, getting in the thing. And then getting in the car, I had a big box to carry. I parked down the street and I got the, my bag with all my junk in them, you know, and they're like, everybody's okay. Yes, we're on time. Yes. Okay. So we're running out. We're getting out of the car and then we're running down. We got halfway down the block. Hey dad. Yeah. What? I forgot my Bible. I'm like, oh, okay. It was just the one thing that I asked you. And I said, you know, you got to go back. It's often that one thing that kills everything. It, it, it just, it's so fundamental. I'll never forget when I was in seminary and there was this other guy in seminary and uh, we were taking on this little church. And uh, the church was just one breath away from uh, uh, just uh, zeroing out. And so they called us in as uh, young men. You know, we were going to light a fire in the church, et cetera. So we sat around. We thought about ideas. I had a music background. So we said, hey, here's an idea. The, the community obviously doesn't know us. So let's create a musical recording of original songs and then what we'll do is canvas the neighborhoods and give these these recordings out. You know, we'll put our, our contact information, our phone number and everything, the name of the church, et cetera. And then you can, once they get them, they'll be so enthralled with this wonderful project we've done. And they'll call the church and then, you know, we'll, uh, we'll have this communication and build relationships, et cetera. And so if you've never made a, a musical recording, it is a huge investment of time. And this was one of my earlier recordings, and you just, you're doing everything backwards. And finally, we got the recording. And back in those days, CDs had not been invented. Um, uh, they, we had uh, uh, cassettes, and uh, at least they weren't eight tracks. I was past that, but uh, they were cassettes. And inside the cassette, it's called a J card. That's the, in, you know, the piece of paper you put in there. And so we worked so hard on the graphics and, and blah, 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 and all that. And, and then you send off the master tape or uh, the the deal have it mastered and you get it back and oh man we were feeling hollywood you know this was like a recording and uh we were telling you know people at school yeah we're doing a recording you know it always kind of sounds hip to say that even though it, the recording i look back now it's very embarrassing but you know we, it doesn't matter and so the day came we got the 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 boxes and boxes and boxes of cds back and they they came in and we said hey let's celebrate let's open it together all right so we met in the pastor's office and had all these boxes out and and they came out, you know, opened the boxes and each cassette was like cellophane wrapped with, you know, made it even more Hollywood. We were like, yeah, it's like, you know, shiny and everything. So we said, you ready? Yeah, let's open it together. And so it's like a little celebration. We're opening it together and took the J card out and, and suddenly he noticed that I turned pale because the J card had everything except the phone number. So when we passed them out, no one could contact us, which was the point, the one point of the whole deal. So we unwrapped the cool, hip Hollywood cellophane on hundreds of CDs and just wrote in the phone number. We went from Hollywood to Bush League in five minutes. Just one thing. In our Christian walk, sometimes it's that one, one thing of transformation. As I begin to look into this area of transformation, I did ask myself this question, 
Why is it that we need to be transformed in the first place? You know, things that are working fine don't need to be remodeled or renovated or transformed for that reason. And I'm thinking, aren't we already formed into the image of God? And I draw your attention then to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10. This, by the way, is a is a an at-group week. You'll notice on the back of your uh, info sheet, there's a place that you can write notes. You can write them if you're, even if you're not in an at group, but specifically uh, if you are in an at group, we encourage you to take notes because we use those when we meet. We discuss what's uh, been uh, talked about on the weekends. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. Christians, you have taken off the old self. This is the celebration we'll have, by the way, next week as we baptize those who have taken off the old self with its practices. And you have put on the new self. The reason I know that this is written to Christians is because that we're the only creatures on the earth that have taken off the old self and put on the new self. And it's nothing that we have done ourselves. It's Christ in us. This is the second birth that Christ refers to. The Holy Spirit mysteriously and miraculously and tangibly coming into us. That's the new self. We've put on this new self, which is the new self, being renewed, being transformed, being changed in the knowledge, watch, in the image of its creator. See, I'm looking at this and thinking, well, I thought we were already in the image of our creator. And what we're being told here by the apostle Paul as he he writes to Christians is that, yes, you've been created in the image of God, but something has happened where you have to renew and remodel and grow back in to the original image of God that he has made you in. I'm reminded in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, the Lord formed the man, Adam, from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils in the, in the breath of life. And the man, Adam, became a living being. In Genesis 1.27, so man created man, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created it. So what God formed, we're told in the New Testament, he's got to transform. What he made, he has to remake And if you know anything about the Bible, you'll understand that we ask the question, then why is it that we need to be transformed? It's because something got broken. Something went askew. Something happened, and most of us would know that happened in the Garden of Eden. Now, we go back to this intersection of Adam and his mistake in the Garden and Eve and her mistake in the Garden Quite often because I think that there are layers, there are dimensions of things that we learn about ourselves. There are layers and dimensions of things that we're learning about what God wants to do in our lives. And so I want to go back to that moment. But before we do, I want to remind you that before Eden, before Adam, God had created angels. Because there is an angel that is going to play into this story. 
You see, I know that God created angels because we're told in the first chapter of Colossians that through Christ, all things, every single thing, all things were created by him, through him, for him. We're also, we also know that angels were around before Adam was created because we're told that at the foundation of the world, the foundation of the earth, the angels rejoiced. So they were there before the earth had its foundations and they rejoiced. We're also told uh, that um, that the angels had a job in Psalm 103 and verse 20. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Now, that's not a word we use very often, bidding. But bidding means that I'm here for your service. If I'm if I say to Lloyd, hey, I'm here to your bidding, that means whatever you say, I'm going to do it. High, low, mid, doesn't matter. I'm here for your bidding. I'm a servant to do your mighty work. So the angels were before, they were created by God. They were here before Adam was created. And they were servants to do God's work. Many of you might know that of all these angels, and there could have been billions and billions and billions. Now, this is where we're going to go into the tunnel of heaviness. But I promise you we'll come out about 15 minutes from now. So put your seatbelt and your helmet on because this is going to get a little heavy. But I, again, believe, uh, and many of you have affirmed it, that we have been created with a brain that thinks. And too far... And far too long, I should say, I believe that in our churches, we have kept it so simple and user-friendly that even my nine-year-old can figure it out. That's well and good, but God does challenge us to think. And think about things that are subtle, that would get by us. Think about those simple things that perhaps we would trip over. So if you'll, I invite you then to go through this tunnel of thinking and tunnel of, of something that might be heavy. You see, we're told that of these this throng of angels, I have no idea how many, could have been millions, could have been billions, could have been hundreds of billions, but there were a lot, legions of angels that were created before Adam. We're told that all, of all these angels, there was one that stood head and shoulders above all the rest of these created beings. His name was Lucifer, a name that you might recognize. Now, I don't know too many parents who have called and named their child Lucifer. Maybe you do, but I don't. Because we think of it as a negative name, but it's not. Uh, his name was changed to Satan. Uh, Jesus himself said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Because when our character changes in, in the scripture, you often see that God changes a name. He originated as Lucifer, which was a beautiful name, which meant shining star, morning star. <clears throat> and the meaning of his word means bearer of light. You see, all the angels had a job, but Lucifer had a special job. He was the light bearer. And light bearers, by the way, do something for others. If we're traipsing through the dark and I say, hey, I'll do the flashlight. Well, it's for you as well as it is for me. So Lucifer was this beautiful, opulent, magnificent being. We're told in the descriptions that we find in Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 30, uh, 28 and chapters like that, 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 that he had golden pipes. I don't even know what that looked like. 
There are no painters, no artists that can capture what this beautiful, created being that was at the top of the angel food chain even looked like. But we're told in Ezekiel 28, God addresses Lucifer. And he says this, You were the model of perfection, full of wisdom, listen, and perfect and beauty. You were blameless in your ways from the day, there it is, that you were created. He was not above the creator. Nothing can be above the creator. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until wickedness was found in you. You see, of all the things, see, he was CFO while God was CEO. He was the senior vice president. God was vice president. I mean, he was right up next to the top of God, but he didn't have the one thing that he just craved. He didn't have that. He had it all. Beauty, perfection, blamelessness, wisdom, power, because he was over every, but there was one thing. He said, ah, I've got to have that one thing. We find it in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13. God, again, speaking to Lucifer, he said, you said in your heart, Lucifer, I will ascend to the throne. You see, Lucifer said, I will raise my throne, watch, above the stars of God, as we're going to see in the book of Revelation. Stars are often depicted, angels are depicted as stars. Uh, Lucifer was a morning star. And so he, de- he, he very well um, might have been raised, raised himself above the other angels. I will sit, Lucifer said, sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly, on the utmost height of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. And here it is. I will make myself like the most high God. Now, if someone said to you, man, I'm trying to be like Christ. Be like, great. I'm trying to become more like God. Great. Ephesians chapter 5 says, be imitators of God. That's a a worthy destination. That's a worthy thing to be transformed in. Paul said, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate my life as I try to imitate Christ. I'm trying to be like Christ. However, Lucifer twisted it and he didn't say, I want to be like the Most High. He said, I will make myself like the Most High. See, here it is. He said, I want to be like God without God. The one thing that he craved was this, independence. I'm tired of doing God's bidding. I'm tired of yes, sir, and no, sir, and have to do all these jobs. I want to be my own being. I want to be like God without God. The problem as the bearer of light is that he was also a major persuader. Isn't it true? When we're, when we're upset about something, we try to build a constituency. I, my, my neighborhood association, how many people love their neighborhood association? That's what I thought. My mom and I went to one neighborhood association about seven years ago, a meeting, and that was the last one. I thought somebody was going to pull out a weapon, and they were all, you know, retirees, and I'm like, man, this is not good. 
I mean, there was some big stink about the gate. You know, we've got a gate. And I mean, the gate is stupid. If you want in my neighborhood, here's what you do. You sit outside the gate, oh, maybe for 60 seconds, wait for somebody to go through and just follow them through. You see, it happens. I see it every day. I'm like, why do we have the gate? I almost raised my hand and say, why do we even have a gate? But, you know, wisdom came over me at that moment. God saved my life. And... So there was a big deal about the gate. But before the big vote on the big gate, I'm like, are we talking about the gates of hell? I mean, it's so, it seems it's so important. There was like a, a rally, you know, a lobbying and people knocking on my door and say, we're upset about the gate. Aren't you upset about the gate? I'm like, the gate? I didn't know we had a gate. I just keep coming in. Amazing what happens when we get upset and we, same thing happened in heaven. Don't you, aren't you tired of doing God's bidding? Hey, I'm going to join the independent club. Do you want to come with? Don't you want to be your own being? Hey, you're beautiful. You're brilliant. You're smart. Don't you want to do that? Come with me. We're told, as we'll see later in the book of Revelation, that he took Lucifer one third of all the angels and plummeted him. They, he, he plummeted them with his own demise. He took them. He was a persuader. In fact, Jesus says in John chapter 8 and verse 44, when the devil lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar, the father of lies. So guess what? We're about midway through the heavy part if you're, if you're sweating. He walks into Eden, this liar, this former light bearer, this former star, the persuader. And he comes across Eve and he says these words to her because you remember God said you can eat of any tree except the one, the tree of, uh, of the knowledge of good and evil. You can't do that. And, and so God, he, Eve said, no, God said we can't. We call it, we'll die. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 4, the enemy says, you won't, you won't die. He's lying. You won't die. You're fine. For God knows that when you eat of this fruit, your eyes will be open and you will be like God without God. You won't need him. You can be transformed to be like God without God. The same story that he circulated in heaven he brought to earth in the pristine garden of Eden. Isn't that astounding? You see, when Eve walked over to that tree and plucked that fruit, she declared her independence that day. I can do this without God. You see, transformation, when I look at this, is as, as if we can live a spiritual life without God. And none of, uh, none of us would say, well, I'd like to try that. All of us would say, well, I wouldn't want that. It's so subtle. So this past week, I did something every day. I was standing outside of Pat Williams' house. I was meeting someone there. She was at work. Pat, uh, I'm about to make a confession. And outside Pat Williams, Pat's the one that's leading this new act group. And outside Pat's uh, house, there was this beautiful rose bush. And uh, it was, I was like, boy, what a beautiful 
sermon illustration that is right there. So I took the liberty, Pat, to reach down and uh, pluck one rose off that uh, I took home with me. Um, and I left a penny there for you. No, and so I plucked this rose off and, uh, and it looked just like that. That's day one. And I wanted to find out what this rose would look like throughout the week as it was independent of Pat's beautiful rose bush. So I took a picture every day. This was right when I plucked it, right there in the driveway. So day two looked like that. Just one day. I can be a rose without a vine. I'm, I'm looking at this. And there, I was thinking about Eve on the day that God walked into that garden. And he must have looked at her and said, wow, you're looking more wrinkly than normal. I mean, can you go back to the, to the previous one? Created in the image of God, moving to the next slide, the day after. The pain that must have filled God's heart. And when he saw Eve independent, he must have said to himself, Oh boy, what I have formed now needs to be transformed. But we cannot be transformed into Christ without Christ. Doesn't that seem so obvious? But it's not. And I'll tell you why. Because our enemy is extraordinarily persuasive and subtle. You know where you see this? Just think about the Bible, how often this pops up. You remember the Tower of Babel? I mean, it's just nine chapters later. It's in in Genesis 11. They were going to build a tower to heaven so that they could be like God. And they said, we'll do it so that we make a name for ourselves. We don't need God. We'll make a name for ourselves. Do you remember Numbers chapter 16, maybe, the sons of Korah? They came to Moses and they said, hey there, big britches, who do you think you are? You have to read deeper into the Hebrew to get to that level, my friends. Like, we don't need a leader. We don't need you, Mo. We do it on our own. Yo, I just kind of rapped there. I don't know if you caught that. Or when David, King David, was incited, we're, we're told, provoked by the enemy to take a consensus of all that he had, all the numbers that he had of his army. And God just came down. He's like, what's the big deal? He's just taking numbers. So no, what was behind is, hey, you know what? I'm getting pretty big. I'm David Big Britches. Look at how much I've got here. Who needs God? Look at how our church has grown. I'm feeling pretty good, says Pastor Steve. I'm not sure we need God. Oh, it's such a subtle, subtle turn where we think we can be transformed into Christ. But that old nature that is, that is infused in us can subtly come in in those moments that says, I'm not sure I need Christ. I'm thinking of Genesis chapter 6. This morning I made a mistake and said Genesis chicks. I'm like, that would be like Sarah, Eve, you know, the Genesis chicks. (laughs) Sounds like a new band, does it not? 
Heard of the Dixie Chicks? This would be the Genesis Chicks. By the time we are four chapters away, the flower begins to look a little more pale, losing its color. Culture around Noah had grown quite wrinkly, quite independent. We don't need God. But here, we're coming out of the tunnel. Good news. But there was a man. His name was Noah. And Noah gives to us the secret of being transformed. The secret of transformation. Genesis chapter 6. In verse 6, the Lord, listen to this. God, who had just created these wonderful beings, these human beings, he was grieved. Can you imagine what that felt like? God doesn't have emotions. Fooey. He does. He feels. Jesus wept, by the way. The Lord was grieved that he had formed man, made man on the earth. And his heart was filled with pain. The moment we pluck ourselves from the vine and say, I'm good. Oh, the grief that comes in the heart of God. It grieved him. His heart was filled with pain. But I just feel like I need some trumpets. Dun, 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 dun. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. He was a righteous man. Okay. He was blameless among the people of his time. And he walked with God. There it is. He didn't have a 10-minute devotional in the morning. He didn't think about God. He wasn't just faithful to church if they had such a thing back then. He walked in a consistency. He swam with God. He flew with God. He spoke with God. He walked with God. He did all these things. And when we hang out, you know, the things that we hang out with, it takes time. But those things transform us. And if we're not in a mode of consistent rhythm, as Galatians 5 would say, in step with the Spirit, we cannot be transformed. The things we hang out with transform us. You may say, I'm not sure I get it. I invite you to go to the beach today. Don't take sunscreen. Hang out with the sun for four hours and see if it transforms your skin. Hang out a lot at Dunkin' Donuts. It will transform you. Hang out at Sweet Tomatoes at the salad bar. It will transform you in a better way, right? Whatever we hang out with over time changes us. That, my friends, is the secret. It's an over time thing. It is a consistency thing. Now watch Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20. He who walks with the wise. That doesn't mean I went to a party and there was a smart guy there. You know, I was hanging out there with uh, with Einstein and I, you know, it was kind of weird. I just met him at the hors d'oeuvre tray and, uh, and I feel smarter. No. Hangs out, walks with the wise. Watch. Grows. That's a long-term word. Grows wise. But a companion 
of fools suffer harm. Here's a paraphrase. If you're in the company of those who are wise, you will gain. See, it's over time wisdom. If you're in the company of those who are evil too, you too will become. See, these words like grows and gains and, and, and uh, will become their time. It takes over time. See, when I plucked the, the, the rose from the bush, it didn't instantly wilt and neither do you. Day four, here we go. Oh, Eve, man, you're looking a little crispy. Did you forget your foundation, Eve? Because your complexion is just getting a little bit rustic. It didn't happen on day one. It happened on day four. You see, I think when we read these scripture verses and get dig in here, here's what I'd like to say. It is entirely possible for us. Listen, it is entirely possible for us to spend time in our Bible and read it as a devotional time and not be transformed. Now, I believe you cannot be transformed unless you spend time in the Scripture. But it is possible. How do I know that? I know people and I know myself that I can, I, I can run circles around people in the Bible that doesn't mean I'm changed. I can I can go to church every single week. It doesn't mean I'm changed because I can do all of those activities without Christ. I, I can act as if I've been changed, but I'm really not on the inside transformed. Have you ever seen those pictures, you know, when they're trying to get you to do a weight loss program and, you know, the guy looks, uh, you know, like he needs help at the beginning, but it looks kind of buff at the end. I, I brought one in for you. Now, now check this out. This was me before I shaved my beard off. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, now, this is a little hard to see, but you can see the transformation, right? Uh, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty, looking pretty good there on the right. I, I blew it up for you in the next picture. So here's the guy, you know, on the left. Same guy, he shaved his head, you know, but looking pretty good. Now, I want you to shout it out here uh, with me. Just how long do you think? Because, you know, they say you can do this in X number of months. How long do you think it took for this guy to transform into this guy? And I promise you they're the same guy. I know sometimes it looks so different. But how long do you think? Just shout it out. A year? 90 days? Four months? Two years? That would be me. (laughs) Yes. All right. You know what? Here it is. Are you ready? Are you ready? One hour. Yep, and I will be selling some supplements after the service. No, you're saying that can't be true. This guy set out to prove that some of these things were a scam. One hour. He said, here's my secret. I kind of stuck my gut out to begin with. You know, then he shaved his body. I guess that's cooler. And then he did some spray tan. You'll notice the right picture has a shadow on the wall. The other one doesn't. Lighting. And he said, I did as many push-ups and set-ups as I could before I took the picture on the right. And he said, I promise you, no Photoshop. It took me one hour. Here's the point. We will be doing Photoshopping after the service. (laughs) Because I need a lot of Photoshop, I'm telling you. (laughs) Listen, it is possible to do a fake move. I know it. See, I I did this one time. It was up north. You can transform your body. I did this. (laughs) And that only took me 45 minutes. (laughs) 
Take it down now. People were... <laughs> Watch. Scary verse. I'm just falling more in love with Second Timothy, Paul's last letter to this young disciple. And he says, be careful of those Second Timothy 3 verse 7 that are always learning. Oh, man, we're a learning generation, are we not? I mean, study after study after study after book. I literally have a stack of books that high on my desk I need to read. I mean, we learn and learn and learn and learn, but never arriving. How does that happen? Because we can make it look like and do all the activities. If I listed all the nice things I've done as a Christian, not trying to be boastful, man, I've done a lot. I've fed the hungry, the homeless, clothed, took people into my house, went to a state penitentiary for years on my own, driving miles and miles and miles every weekend. I could do all those things and have proven that I can do all those things and never change into the image of Christ because I could do those things, but I'm not hanging with God. I'm not walking with God. Paul tells Timothy in verse 5 of chapter 3, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Day number five, looking even more crispy. Jesus had it right when he said these words. He said, here's the secret, guys, to transformation. Here it is. John chapter 15 and verse five. Jesus said before he left the planet, let me tell you something, guys. I'm the vine. You're the branches. Don't ever get them mixed up. Because I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Don't ever get the two mixed up. I'll be the vine. You be the branches. If a man or woman remains in me, remains in me, and I in him or her, he or she will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. Transparent moment. You know one of my greatest spiritual challenges? Compartmentalizing. Well, I had my time with God. Now, I'm on to my day. And my day gets very fast. And then at the end of a day, I have this, <clears throat> these tragic words that come across my mind. Oh, yeah, God. Do you have that same experience? Of like, oh, man, I've, somehow I've just compartmentalized God. I have my time with God. I have my church time with God. I listen to my worship music. But then I'm on with my day. What Christ is teaching us is that if we're going to be transformed, He's part of the day. He's infused in our day. The things we think, the things we say. I drive a car that's now 18 years old. The radio is broken and I'm too cheap to buy a new one for my cheap car because I am cheap. It's the best thing that ever happened. You know what? Because now, guess what I do when I'm driving? I pray. I, I would, you know, be so bold as to say God broke my radio, but I don't, I don't want to say that, but... He, he did say to me, you got a lot of power in one finger, son. Here it is. Watch. Follow me. I'll take your wrist. See, and just go, boop, and the radio went off. Boop, and the TV went off. Boop, 
and there and the the computer went off the power we have in one finger these days where god would say oh boy i wish i would be part of your life rather than that stinking radio that computer that tv that iphone whatever that may be oh would you just give me one finger and click off so that you could spend some time with me so that you could infuse yourself. Psalm, six, Psalm number one, verse two. The guy that walks with God, the man, the woman that walks with God, his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. It's never moving, which yields its fruit in season and watch, whose leaf doesn't wither. Day number six. Wow, Eve, do you need some foundation? You see, it takes time, does it not? I don't know about you, but there have been times where I've gotten that crispy and I ask myself, like maybe you did, like, man, how did I get here? Am I looking crispy? And everybody around you goes, oh, yeah, you're crispy. <laughs> Am I kind of wrinkly? Very wrinkly. I did. I've been meaning to tell you about that. Am I kind of grouchy? Oh, yeah, very grouchy. You think I'm being self Oh, yeah. And anyone close to us would say, not fix yourself up. Make yourself more like Christ. But infuse yourself in Christ so that he can make the change. That's the secret. Now watch. Let me end with this. It's bigger than we think. It's bigger than we think. You see, we're told that the reason, John chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 3, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Now there's a lot of layers to that, but in context of what we're talking about is this. He came to destroy any belief that we could be independent of God. He came to say, oh, you think you can do it? Oh, no, no, no. That happened way before you were created. I've seen the demise of what that means. Don't fall for that trick that you can be like God without God. Don't fall for that. I came to destroy that. And I came, as I said, to promise to you the infusion of the Holy Spirit, which would have been impossible had I not come. So I appeared so that may happen. But watch. When we are light, we affect other people. It's so beyond ourselves. When we are dark and crispy and wrinkling, wrinkly, like the enemy, we can take a lot of people with us. Watch. Revelation chapter 9, verse 1. The apostle John was seeing what was happening. He said, I saw a star, a morning star, a beautiful star. I saw the star of all the angels that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key, and I literally shuddered when I read these words when I was by myself. He was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. What in the world would that be like? 
Revelation chapter 12, verse 4. His tail, the dragon, swept a third of the stars, angels, out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The great dragon was hurled down that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. What we do with Christ, if we walk with Christ, it matters in the entire universe. You think it's just me. It's just little old me living in my little old uh, subdivision with my little old subdivision hard meetings with the little old gate. That's all. It's just little old me. And Christ said, don't fall for that either. You are what I am redeeming. God made human beings, we're told in Psalm 8, a little lower than the angels so that they could do things greater than the angels. God wanted to prove that with Christ in us, we could do amazing things. Watch this. That's Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. If we walk with God so that you become blameless and pure, we can't do that without Christ. Children of God without fault can't do that without Christ. In a crooked and depraved and independent-minded generation so that which you shine like stars in the universe, light bearers, God transformed for a reason. Oh, he's amazing. The story is bigger than you. The story is bigger than you. This is not about you getting your spiritual jazz on. Although that's a nice part of the package. The story is this. There was a light bearer that lost his position in heaven. And now God says, I'm going to start over with a race that is below the angels who can do great things and I will make of them if they walk with me light bearers, stars. Ever wanted to be a Hollywood star? Well, you are one, but it's a lot bigger than Hollywood. Let's pray. Father, thank you, God, for the depth of your word. But thank you, Father, that you have the ability to transform us back into the image of God. Without you, God, surely, surely, certainly, without doubt, apart from you, we can do nothing and we are nothing. We know that truth, God. We know that to be absolute truth and yet... We compartmentalize. We have our God time. But sometimes fail to walk in rhythm and step. Today, Father, I pray that you'll elevate ourselves, our minds above that which is limited, God. And help us to see that our life here on earth counts. That what was lost in heaven can be gained on earth. That there were stars and a light bearer that were, was lost in heaven. But you've called us, God, to be stars in this universe for you. God, I pray that you will convince us today, remind us today, challenge us today that we don't live on an island, that we are either bringing people down 
or we're bearing light to shine around for clearer paths. This is not about whether we read the Bible. This is not about whether or not, God, we've said a prayer or if we forgot to bless our thank, our food. Thank you for our food. This is not whether or not, God, we call ourselves Christians. This is about fulfilling the image that you've created us in to be light bearers. So today, Father, I pray that you would take these words and help them reverberate in our souls. I pray that you'll make us more like Noah, that we'll walk like it walk with God so that we can be like God with God's help, with your help, Father. Thank you for your word today. May you bring it home in Jesus' name. Amen.